welcome to this week's Nutmeg Assist podcast. This is the first podcast of the month as well, so that's that's pretty odd. But yeah, here we are once again, and today we are going to be covering a few important, I mean, few interesting topics. And I'm joined by a very new guest, his first time on the show, Rahul Ayer. Welcome, Rahul, to the show. Hi, hi, Rituk. Uh, so yeah, as you said, first time on the pod. Uh, I might not sound like it, but I'm pretty excited to be here. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty late in India. I mean, right now, so yeah, that's that's pretty much expected. <laughs> so the big result from this week was Manchester United losing final to Liverpool. If you look at yesterday, Bayern losing final to Gladbach was also a very very big result, and Manchester City going out of the EFL Cup or the Carabao Cup. Uh, I'm not sure what it's called, what it's exactly called right now. I guess it's the EFL Cup or the League Cup is is, is the best way to probably uh, you know define it. So they went out of the League Cup, which has been one of Pep Guardiola's favorite tournaments since arriving in England, beaten by West Ham, who knocked out United as well before. So these three are the big results, but we are specifically going to be talking about Manchester United first, the club that you support. The issues at Manchester United, I think we've spoken a lot on the same before uh, in, in different podcasts. We've touched upon the issues that, that United have had. But after the tail end of last season where you put on a pretty good run, you went on a pretty good run. Your away run is still pretty good, in my opinion. The numbers probably are, you know, a bit sketchy. But what, in your opinion, is the biggest problem, Rahul, at Manchester United? Uh where do I start? The biggest problem, uh, I, I have, I honestly have no idea how to answer that. I, I would probably have to say the, I mean, as as we all know for quite some time that the Glazers are one big issue with this club. Um, but if, if we just want to keep it on pitch, I, it's just been very, uh, I, I'd probably say disjointed. It doesn't seem like we've had a plan for uh, quite some time or at, at least at the very least for this season um, because I, I I remember mentioning towards kind of the start of the season right just after uh, United's first game against Leeds uh, I remember thinking and even saying that things could potentially look up this season if if we made the right signings um, and if the squad kind of improved and took on uh, you know kind of moved on from where they were last season but it's uh, pretty much all gone down the drain and a big big part of that i think as a lot of people have already said is is the coaching there just there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of coaching going on you know i mean when when we talk about united it you, you don't know how you don't know how they want to play and even when they play in in uh, some kind of identifiable style they don't seem to be doing very well at all you know so i i think there's a there's a clip going around just from the liverpool game about how uh, about how liverpool just kind of played their way out of uh, united's uh, so-called press because it's not so much a press as a bunch of players just running around in different directions depending on where the ball is so i think i think the coaching is definitely one big aspect that's uh, really come to the fore this season I think there are other secondary issues in terms of kind of individual positions on the pitch. So maybe right back is a bit of an issue. DM has been <coughs> an issue for a while. And obviously you have the problems with uh, players like Jaden Sancho, Donny van der Beek not, not getting uh, game time at all. And 
you kind of start to question what kind of decisions are being taken and on on what basis are these uh, decisions being made yeah you raised a few fair points as well especially with respect to the coaching at united i mean um the, the clip that you mentioned uh, regarding the press how liverpool broke the press i think that was for the first goal where um mason greenwood if i'm not wrong um you know pulled up and van dijk just pushed the ball to robertson van bisaka went went to mark robertson and robertson easily played uh, out of the press and you know um for, for me i mean for me no sala sala just just got kate in that was the first goal and that's where it all went wrong so and this this there was an athletic um article out probably in the last two days where in it was mentioned that united don't coach pressing i mean when you see how united press you kind of get it that it's either not coached well or it's it's really really bad basically so pressing not being coached is something that came out surprising in my very opinion because you see the players getting instructed to press so if if you if you if you're not really coaching something and you are asking the players to do the same and you expect things to turn out especially against teams like liverpool where it's so 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 dangerous to do that 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 probably you know explains a lot about solskjaer as well but rahul i mean it's been what 3 years since solskjaer uh, has been the manager has it been 3 years i guess so in this 3 years he has kind of steadied the ship you have a squad that is capable of maybe i mean definitely finishing in the top 4 you have a top 4 squad an addition of probably a defensive midfielder could probably elevate the squad much more however solskjaer seem to not be the right person to take this team forward i mean it's been a while since solskjaer's been like solskjaer's been given funds to get players solskjaer's been afforded a lot of time lots of improvement as well finishing second last season was pretty good but you would have to consider other factors as well where liverpool had their their own injury issues man city had an initial trouble but they easily won the league later on chelsea um, were also struggling initially under frank lampard but how how big do you think is the gap between manchester united and 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 the top 3 which is chelsea city and liverpool at least squad wise at least squad wise just 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 don't consider who the managers are at least squad wise how big do you think the gap is <laughs> well i i have to say squad wise it's probably not as big as it looks right now right i think a lot of the gap uh, that we're seeing between those top 3 and united lot but is down to the coaching and um, i mean i i think you brought up a point that uh, a lot of people tend to uh, miss especially in kind of online discourse when when people talk about uh, you know it's often very black and white it's like are you ole in or are you ole out and uh, there's the bit of uh, i think nuance that gets missed which is you can accept that he's done a pretty good job until this point at least until the start of this season and you can also accept that he's not the right person to uh, you know take charge going forward because this squad has a couple of couple of gaping holes and i i, I honestly don't think the squad uh, is really a title winning squad i think you need a little bit of luck and a little bit of things to go your way for that to happen but i do think that a better manager would get more out of this squad than what we're currently getting so you know for example if you if if you compared you know say united and chelsea just just on squad quality um as i say chelsea is definitely better but not 
to the extent that we've seen this season. Um, I, I think a better manager fixes that, gets us closer, closes that gap. But yeah, I mean, uh, otherwise, I think that's that's all there is to it. The squad, the squad is decent, but not great. It's good enough to get top four comfortably, but probably not good enough to win the title, especially when you consider that we've also got City and Liverpool to, uh, to compete with. And I, I think another thing you brought up was um, that sort of that, that bit about uh, sort of United not uh, not coaching uh, pressing right in training and I think that's that's okay on its own if you want to be a team that doesn't press high but you can't not coach pressing and training and then tell the players on match to go and press high it, that makes uh, no sense at all so yeah yeah that's 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 again a very very fair point and I mean we discussed this in in a previous uh, part to be honest when Ronaldo actually signed for Manchester United if I remember right I did discuss that in one of the episodes wherein I mentioned that Ronaldo signing for Manchester United at this time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United uh, especially isn't the wisest move because he I mean getting Ronaldo in changes the whole you know the I mean changes a lot of things to be very honest and it would probably hurt the team more than benefit them. I mean, it's it's worth not talking about uh, the issues that he has off the field. We all know how how bad those things are. But just from a footballing point of view as well, I don't think he was the signing that United needed. And I don't really think he is helping United at the moment. He scores goals, has scored some match winners, if I'm not wrong. But is that enough? Has that taken Manchester United as a team forward? Absolutely not. So, do you think that not signing Ronaldo would have not would have probably helped United? Maybe you know get a couple of other results better because last season Cavani was was playing really well up front, and with Ronaldo right now, I think there seem to be issues wherein the midfielders, especially Bruno Bruno Fernandes, having to do a lot more coming in more deeper because Ronaldo, because Cristiano Ronaldo always you know comes deep, asks for the ball and you don't have players forward to make runs at the moment. So Ronaldo asking for the ball and and being probably wasteful with this with with, with it is is not the right way or the right way to go. But this seems to happen repeatedly. Last season when you had Cavani starting up front, I I, th- I think that's when you saw the best of Bruno as well. So how much Net negative, do you think Cristiano Ronaldo has been to United this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I mean, uh, first of all, I think I agree with uh, pretty much everything you said there because I uh, think num- number one, I don't, I don't know how much this signing was actually a footballing signing uh, as opposed to uh, you know a, a marketing signing or a, we just don't want him to go to City signing. Right. Both of which are incredibly stupid and incredibly in character for the Glazers, in my opinion. But you know, it kind of is. It kind of is what it is. He definitely. I think he definitely hurts the team. And I think. I think we all knew that when he arrived, he would score goals. Right. He. He. He definitely is going to score goals. I think he's. He'll get 15, 20 goals easy. Right. He'll. He'll make it somehow, irrespective of the team around him. The problem is he tends to. He tends to interfere a lot in what the other guys are doing and uh i mean see to be honest i can kind of understand signing a center forward right in general because i think cavani started only 13 league games last season 
So there was no established center forward here, right? If if, if we didn't sign Ronaldo, you'd have to switch between Cavani, uh, Marshall, Rashford, and Greenwood playing up front. And I, I don't know how much that hurts the cohesion of the team. Um, so if it was a center forward, I, I, I still think a midfielder was definitely much, much higher on the priority list. But if it was just a center forward who was similar to Cavani, Maybe it wouldn't have been as bad as this. Midfielder was definitely a priority. Right back was obviously priority. So from that aspect, I don't have much of an issue of it. But obviously who they've signed is a much bigger issue. So I mean, not only is he a net negative, but the thing is with signing uh, you know, a kind of megastar like this is that despite his ability right now, he's judged on the 17 years that he's had at the top level and expectations are set according to that. So now expectations have gone higher despite you signing a player who's made the team worse. And that's that's a lose-lose situation, I think, for everybody, right? Um, yeah. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense at all. So uh, I, I just, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how you can quantify how much of a net negative he's been because he will get you those goals like against Villarreal and against Atalanta. But, you know, at at what cost? You know, it's probably just not worth it. And I think effectively what happened is uh, uh, Solskjaer kind of dug his own grave with the signing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's again uh, pretty valid to be honest. And I mean, when you, when you just mentioned about how you can't quantify, I think um, one, one of... Keith Van Hemmen's tweets. Keith Van Hemmen's t- tweets actually popped up in my head. Wherein I think was I, was it when Ronaldo actually signed uh, earlier this season, when he I think tweeted that tweeted how Ronaldo might get goals, but how how that would be a net negative on you know, United's yeah. structure. So uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, just have I think to that now. I think it was something like how many do you have to score to actually not be a net negative, and I, I don't think the answer for that is. Uh, very objective. I think it's probably depends. Yeah, sure. yeah. A shout out for Case Van Hemmen, who's who's a really amazing uh, analyst and a very polarizing figure on United Twitter as well. <laughs> so, yep. And one final question, Rahul. If Solskjaer was to get sacked next week, what do you think is the way forward for United? Who do you think is the right replacement? And or do you think you need to get the next? long-term manager in immediately or do you think United can afford to probably run the season out with an interim manager and then choose wisely in the summer? Uh, this question has been on my mind for about a month now and I have uh, I have no definitive answer honestly because so I mean if you the problem is if you fire him now your realistic options or at least the four uh, ones that have been talked about most, I think, are uh, Antonio Conte, Zinedine Zidane, uh, Eric Ten Hag, and Graham Potter. So it's 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 a it's a tough one because a lot of the players that we have are kind of in their uh, you know kind of in their peak, sort of 27, 28 years old, uh, you know, 27, 28, 29, that kind of age. So. Uh, guys like uh, Bruno, guys like Harry Maguire, Varane, uh, maybe even Luke Shaw. Uh, a lot of these guys are uh, Ronaldo, Cavani. These guys are kind of peak or like at the kind of age where they want to win now, right? That These guys like Ronaldo and Cavani especially aren't going to be part of a long-term project. So, I mean, one, one potential option is you get rid of Solskjaer and now you bring in Antonio Conte. Maybe he stays for 18 months because... 
we know Conte's uh, history at other clubs. He has a history of uh, falling out with the board. If he doesn't get what he wants, he'll just he'll just leave. He has no no issues with that. And uh, I, I was actually looking at it earlier today, and uh, only only twice in his career, I think, has Conte gone past a hundred games for one club uh, in his managerial career, and. Uh, those were at Chelsea and Inter, I think, his last two jobs. So, he, Conte is definitely not a long-term guy. So, you could potentially get him in for maybe 18 months, two and a half years. Maybe, maybe he wins you a league title. and then But then you have to rebuild again. So, you'll have to look for someone again at that point. And the other option is if you get rid of Solskjaer, you, know, you bring in an interim and get someone like Ten Hag or Potter in the summer. But again, how, how many of these players can adapt to the way those guys play, especially after having been in a squad that, uh, you know, squad and a team that has thrived on counter-attacking football and uh, lots of reactive football for almost three years. To switch to kind of heavy possession-based systems, I don't know how much of a task it'll be and how much success it'll have, especially with uh, the players that we've got. Obviously, you can buy new ones. There's uh, Money isn't much of an obstacle for this club, but uh, that also involves selling players, which we're not good at either. So, uh, in my opinion, the the best way forward is to just get an interim till the end of the season. Make sure you get, make sure you make the right decision at the end of the season. Get a Ten Hag or a Potter, someone like that, some a manager who's able to keep up with the times, right? Who who understands what the modern game needs, who isn't stuck in you know an era from 10, 15 years ago, who isn't obsessed with um, doing things the quote-unquote United way or the United DNA, which is a, a very overrated aspect, in my opinion, of management. Uh, same goes for Barcelona, by the way. Um, but yeah, th- th- that's my point. I think you need to go in a new direction. Uh, I, I, I don't agree with this, uh, the kind of uh, sentiment that Gary Neville had a couple of weeks ago when he said, you tried top managers before, so maybe you shouldn't look for top managers. I'd, I, I, I I think that's nonsense. I think Ten Hag and Potter are both excellent managers, and I think those two should be top of United's list. And I think the third option should definitely realistically be uh, Pochettino in case uh, PSG kind of let him go at the end of the season. Yeah. If, if you were Chelsea, you, you could have probably got goose heading in, you know. Bad joke, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's, a, that's a, once again, the, the names that you mentioned, um, especially Ten Hag and Graham Potter are probably two really, really amazing names. You know how, I mean, we all know how good Ten Hag has been. I mean, just watch Ajax this season. Just watch the the way they absolutely battered Dortmund in the Champions League recently, and they've been really, really good. Ten Hag's Ajax and Graham Potter for Brighton has been one of my one of my favorite. I mean, Brighton has been one of my favorite teams to watch for like what three, four years now. Graham Potter has done an outstanding job. I would be honestly surprised if if he doesn't end up at a bigger club probably in the next one or two years. I definitely think he wouldn't move clubs mid-season. So like you said, try to get an interim manager until the end of the season. Get someone like Graham, Graham Porter. That probably might be you know, the first step at least for United in the right direction. I, w- I would be really, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I would be really worried if United ended up with Graham Porter. In I mean, very honestly here. So yeah, that's pretty much United. But I mean, if if you look at United's dealings in the past and the way they they tend to move, I think Zinedine Zidane or 
Antonio Conte. Zidane definitely fits the United bill. I mean, if, if you look at the way they've operated in the last, what, four, four six years. So so you never know what happens with United, like you said. I, I would not be surprised at all if they went for Zidane, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's it with Manchester United. Moving on to the second topic, Mohamed Salah. Is he the best player in the world right now? A hat-trick against Manchester United at Old Trafford. A wonderful end to last season. A wonderful start. Probably one of the best starts he's had ever. I mean, the best start he's had. He's ever had in his career to a season. This is the one. I mean, this probably the the rate which he's right now going with is better than what he had in the 2017-18 season where he broke the goal scoring record. I wouldn't be honestly surprised if he breaks his own record this season because he is moving so quickly. He's been delivering week in and week out for Liverpool from the day he signed for the club. What a signing he's been for Liverpool, to be very honest. And do you think he is the best player in the world right now, Raul? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, he's, I, I, he's he's definitely, 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 definitely up there. As in, I, I think over the last three seasons, he's probably been, you know, he's easily been uh, in the top five uh, forwards in in the world. I think in in Europe and in the world. Uh, if if you're talking about is he the best in the world right now, uh, I, I would say yes. But I do watch quite a lot of Premier League football, so I could be biased that way. Uh, I, I think his the thing is he's he's not uh, if you, if we just limit it to this season he's if you look at his, who his competitors are uh, you know Messi hasn't really played that much for PSG Ronaldo's kind of I mean we just spoke about him he's not really the uh, you know the peak Ronaldo or anything and I I think just in terms of all round play his his only competition might be uh, might be Benzema or Haaland uh, I think or or. or Maybe even Mbappe, but I, I think he's he's probably on current form. He's probably the best player in the world right now. I think he he just seems like like he just seems like a different player from what I've seen this season. I didn't I I hadn't paid much attention to him when he first came into the league for Liverpool. Um, I mean, I kind of got into it slowly watching him as the season went on. But I think this is uh, this is just un, unprecedented. I think the the goal against City, the goal against Watford, just his constant production week in week out is uh, is unbelievable. I think he's he's definitely he he is probably the best player in the world right now. Actually, I I would probably say that. Yeah, you mentioned Benzema and Haaland right there, and in terms of you know non penalty uh, goals. Uh, non-penalty goals, XTO performance. I think those three are pretty much very, very closer than you would expect. I mean, if you look at the per 90 numbers, that is for the season. So, yeah, I mean, Benzema has had a terrific start to the season as well. Haaland as well. Unfortunately, Haaland, I think, is out for, uh, out till the end of this year, I guess, uh, with an injury now. And I think it probably might be between Salah and Benzema. But there's been talks on... You know Salah's contract situation as well because his contract expires in 2023. I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I honestly want him to sign an extension because he is. I, I still think he's in a peak. If we give him a longer extension, probably say four-year extension, he'll be 34 by the time his next contract expires. The, there's been, you know, especially Grace Robertson, who's who's an amazing, amazing. Uh, 
writer as well. Uh, one one of one of my favorite writers, to be honest. See, I mean, I heard her suggest that we probably shouldn't afford or we shouldn't probably uh, give Salah a new contract because of the exact same thing where his market value might be off four years from now and with the way Liverpool operate that could prove to be you know a risk however I mean I mean the point that she raised is pretty much valid though but I probably disagree with that because you know there are outliers and there are players who you make exceptions for and who you have to make exceptions for to be very honest that's that's probably the right way to put it and the way Fenway Sports Group, FSG, have been operating at Liverpool, it's been very, you know, cunning and cocky and clever. The pandemic definitely haven't helped them um, with, with their finances. And they've been, uh, no, they've not been able to really function as they did pre-pandemic. So that, that's probably, that probably explains the lack of activity in the transfer market as well for us. But getting Diogo Jota was an amazing piece of business. He's, he's on the rise He's improving his all-round game as well. And that's that's really amazing to see. But you give Salah a new contract, probably a bumper contract. He plays for four years. He is still at, in his peak. The numbers, I, I don't think there's, there's any evidence or any data that says he's on, on his way down. There's nothing that suggests so. So you give him a four-year contract. You expect him to probably deliver for the next two or three years, I guess. Because he's still got that hunger. He's still got that desire. Um, and the data probably supports that too. And he is a player who you can honestly rely on. I mean, you have the other two, Roberto Firmino and Sadio Mane as well. Who, who I mean, both of them as well have their contracts uh, expire in 2023 along with Salah. Is it too hard? I mean, it's it's too hard to replace all three at once. Yeah, of course, you have Diogo Jota, but is Jota enough? No. So it's pretty hard to replace all the three all at once. And is it worth replacing all the three, though? Or could you keep Salah and replace Mane with someone, you know, an alternative, a cheaper alternative? Could you buy a cheaper alternative for Roberto Firmino and keep Salah in and have him still deliver for probably the next one or two years? Can you afford to, like, you know, let his market value drop at the end of his contract and still succeed? The answer to that, I feel, is yes. So, in my opinion, I think giving him a new contract does make sense and does overweigh uh, uh, the opposite, which is not giving him a, 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 a giving him an extension. That is, so I think you have to consider a lot of factors in this situation. And yeah, I, I mean, I could probably end up being wrong after four years, but from what you know, from what the data suggests right now, I definitely feel you should probably give Salah a new contract. But what do you think though, Rahul? I, I, you know, I, I think, like you said, it's a tough one, uh, definitely. Uh, as as a United fan, uh, I, I want Salah out of the Premier League as soon as possible because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to watch him play another minute against my team. Um, but the thing is, I, I think, like you said, the way Liverpool have operated for the past um, you know, five, six, seven years. Uh, it, it seems like they like to have uh, a kind of resale value uh, in in the players that they buy. So, I mean, I I think Coutinho and Suarez are prime examples of that. Uh, so, I I I don't know what they will do, uh, but I think uh, Liverpool's definitely a very well-run club, and I would assume that they have. Uh, uh, like a solid wage structure in place. So I, I, I would expect them to make very kind of calculated decisions. Uh, so, you know, kind of if 
if we offer Salah a contract within the wage structure and he accepts, then it's all good. If he doesn't accept, we will be willing to sell because that's the way we operate because we uh, we are able to make a profit on the sale easily because they bought him for 30, 35. And even if, you, even if Liverpool sold him in 2022, I think he would, you would probably need to pay 100 million at least at very minimum just to get Salah. So I think that is a possibility. And I also think that the club would have confidence in their recruitment process to find a suitable replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a couple of names online already, guys like uh, uh, Rafinha from Leeds United. Uh, I, I think I've seen uh, Kamal Dean as well from Ren, potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think the club would have, if, if, if it came to the point where they needed to sell Salah, they would also have confidence in their own ability to replace him sufficiently. Um, and... And like you said, uh, Firmino and Mane also have contracts expiring in 2023. So if all, uh, I think you probably have to pick one out of them to sell, right? Uh, that's, and I mean, when you say it like that, when you say you have to pick one out of them, because renewing all three might be difficult and might be unwise as they all hit kind of 30, 31 at the same time. If, if you had to pick one and you say Mo Salah, it sounds a bit stupid when you put it like that, right? But at this point, I don't know. He gets you the most value and the most, uh, you know, he, he gives you the biggest uh, chance to kind of re- to, to kind of build little pieces here and there if you need to. Maybe you can get a direct replacement for him as well as one player who covers for Firmino or Mane uh, along with Jota, which gives you an, a solid backup again. So I, I honestly think it's very difficult, but I, I'm, I'm sure that Liverpool have, you know, a a kind of decision tree, you know, if we offer Salah within the wage structure, if this happens, then we'll do this. If this happens, then we'll do that. Uh, I, I'm, I I would have uh, full faith in Liverpool to have a process all planned out. Yeah, I mean, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's really hard to think because, I mean, I've been planning to write an article on the same for like, what, a month now? And I mean, things keep on changing, thoughts keep on changing because there are so many factors involved and it's yeah. so hard to, you know, put 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 an appropriate weight on each factor and say, okay, this outweighs the other factor, so probably you should make him stay. I mean, the only reason, I mean, the only reason I might, you know, want him to stay is probably a bias, or probably because of my sentimental bias, to be very honest, because he's been such a valuable player for Liverpool uh, in the last four years. I mean, he's helped us win trophies, something that I've never seen the club win when I was like, a young kid so he's he's given us so many good memories does he get the most the, the biggest value yes but should we sell him because just because of that uh, it's it's very hard like you said it's it's so so hard and yeah i mean decision tree is probably the best <laughs> the best way to you know uh describe the situation it's 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 a long 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 tree to be very honest it's so hard to conclude with an exact answer I would honestly want him to stay. I would honestly want Liverpool to take that risk because it's Mo Salah. But if you if you ask me if I believe in Liverpool replacing him properly, I would still say yes. The names you mentioned, Rafinha and Kamal Dean, two players I love watching, two players I I feel who would be you know top signing for Liverpool. 
I think Kamaldeen probably or Kamaldeen probably should be targeted as a replacement uh, for Sadio Mane in my honest opinion um, that's that's probably something that Liverpool should look and they they've had like interest in Jeremy Doku for like you know for 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 a lot of time now they I think they've been tracking him uh, when he was like what 16 or 17 so yeah there are a few amazing youngsters who Liverpool might already have their eye on I mean when Liverpool signed Diogo Jota um, and missed out on Timo Werner. I mean, I, I think a lot of people like Ben Persik. They were like, "Oh man, Timo Werner probably had like you know, an amazing output uh, in the Bundesliga." It's 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 really bad to you know miss out on him because of financial reasons. And then we got Diogo Jota and like for like a similar price but a better structured deal, which probably helped FSG actually buy him because of that deal, the, the way that deal was structured. So. and one year from now i mean one year from the day hota signed i think he looks like a very very good signing and his overall game seem to be improving as well like i mentioned earlier so i don't i don't you know doubt liverpool's recruitment process because they find really really amazing players ibu konate as well i think we are probably defensively pretty much set for the future center backs konate joe gomez they might probably get someone else as well when when like you know boys van dyke probably ages a bit more but yeah i mean it's it's so so hard to probably conclude to an exact exact result you would say whether we should give him a contract or not the answer might not be binary again here so that's we'll, we'll probably leave it at that <laughs> at that particular stage so moving on to the final topic right now rahul i mean we've seen some amazing youngsters like i mean light up europe in the last few years the likes of kamaldeen like we mentioned um, have like blown people away the way he performed in the danish super league as well and this season who do you think have been the players who have started to have their breakthrough season or like their first big season uh-huh. Okay, uh, so I think you already mentioned uh, Kamal Deen. So he's he's definitely one who I think if he keeps up this uh, level of performance for you know another three four months or whatever he'll be uh, he he's going to be a real star. Uh, I think if we're talking about breakout players uh, so far this season, uh, we can't go without uh, talking about Florian Wirtz at uh, Bayer Leverkusen. uh he's i there's maybe there's an argument uh, to be made that he had his breakout season last season but i i think he's just gone to another level uh, so far in terms of actual output i think as of as of now he's uh, made 15 appearances in uh, the bundesliga and europa league he has six goals and eight assists playing uh, playing that kind of number 10 role uh, behind patrick schick uh you know he could probably kick on definitely um I think another another player who's having a breakout season is uh Vinicius Vinicius Junior at uh, Real Madrid uh he's he's taken it looks like he's starting to take that uh that that big leap that you see players make uh i think he initially came in in uh 2018 or 19 i i can't remember which right now but i remember he came in from brazil it was 40 million uh, around 40 million euros it was a fairly big transfer and I, he didn't really convince people i think up till now this season he's i think he's just been outstanding again in front of goal uh, so 
and also not not just in front of goal actually uh, his his overall play as far as i've seen him seems to have improved his decision making seems to have improved he's a lot more decisive um and it's that's it's it's a big big change from uh from that viral video we saw last year when uh, benzema claimed he was playing against uh, madrid so this that's that's a massive massive change for him and i'm uh, i'm genuinely really happy for him because he just looks like a really fun player when he's playing well um i think a third player that we need to mention who might go a little bit under the radar uh which sounds weird because he plays for chelsea is uh, is trevor chaloba uh i think la- he was on loan at lorient in liga last season and uh, this season so far he started six games for chelsea in the league and i think in almost every game he has been exceptional i think a, a part of it i think is uh, a, a thomas tuchel setup there which kind of protects him kind of allows him to be that good but you really have to be a good player if you're going to get selected by chelsea almost week in week out and i think chalaba is more than justified his place uh, he's still still only 22 i think he's had several loan spells um if uh, by the way if you want to read more about him i think uh, uh, orlando ashton wrote about him for scouted football a couple of months back uh, that should still be up on the site uh, so yeah i would say those three in particular have been kind of having what you could class as uh, breakout seasons hmm those are pretty good names and travis shalova like you said this this a fantastic article on him uh, uh, at scouted football by orlando ashton you should definitely read that uh, there was an article uh, on him probably towards the end of last season as well again from orlando so yeah that's when i really got to know him to be to be honest and yeah he's had a fantastic start to the season and and i wonder if harvey elliot would have been a name on the same list if he hadn't been injured because he was starting in the midfield three for liverpool against chelsea early this season ahead of a lot of senior names for liverpool i mean if we are going to talk really did that he might have seen something really good from elliot and he was actually doing the same but unfortunately he he ended up injured pretty i mean came on the wrong end of uh, you know a very tricky challenge from pa- pascal stoic which is it's very unfortunate though it was i don't think there was any malice but very unfortunate that he got injured at that point of the season because i think he was really starting to have his breakthrough for liverpool so other than harvey elliot i don't think i mean i honestly haven't watched a lot of football this season so far i so i, I i'm not really sure about a lot of names but karim adeyemi of salzburg he's been firing you know left and right for them he is a name who's attracted interest from bayern munich and liverpool as well i think he might probably end up at bayern munich because that's where his his mind is also set at i think he probably gave an interview um probably a few months back expressing his desire to play for bayern again and akin kunmi amu as well another player who's who's had a fantastic start to the season so there are a few players to look out for this season and i think probably at the end of christmas we might have a better picture on you know some of some of the most interesting young players emerging young players in europe at the moment but thank you so much for that list rahul and this probably brings us to the end of this episode once again thank you so much for joining in on this episode and to all the listeners as well 
this might be Rahul's first time on the spot, but this is definitely not the last time you're going to be hearing him. He's going to be here pretty much often from now on. So once again, thank you for joining in. And also do follow the Chatalytics podcast on Twitter and do listen to their podcast on Spotify or other streaming platforms. They are a group of really, really amazing people with, you know, a bundle of knowledge on football and analytics joining to make really, really amazing content. Definitely give them a follow. This is a shout out to the Chatalytics podcast. Until the next episode, bye-bye. Take care.